God, I need you. I can't speak in my own strength, in my own might, but by your spirit, God. Your word tells us that when two or three are gathered together, there I am in the midst. Father, we wanna hear from you. We wanna feel your tangible presence. Holy Spirit, we want you to speak to us in such a specific way. You know what we need to hear. Remove all the distractions. I surrender this to you. I surrender our time, my words, my thoughts, my nerves, all to you, God. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, what's up, Ascent family? How we doing? Good, good, all right, all right. Um, I know we have some people that haven't been here in a long time that are here today, and I just wanna say welcome back. It's so good to see you. I actually get to see a lot of your faces, although I can't make them out from the stage because I don't have my glasses on. It's so good to see you, hey, hey, hey. And also, I just wanna shout out one more time our college students, our graduating seniors. Can we clap it up for them one more time? One more time. So good. Well, if I haven't met you yet, if you're tuning in online for the first time, my name is Aisha. I'm one of the pastors here. Normally, whenever I speak, I always say how excited I am to share, which is normally true. Um, but I was having a conversation with our lead pastor, Bill, and I was telling him, I need to stop getting surprised when I pray in my prep time and even when I pray here and I say, Holy Spirit, have your way. I surrender my, my message and my thoughts to you because, you know, my message has changed, shifted, and transformed between 8 a.m. and 9 a.m. So I wanted to let you all know at the 1030 service, we are just going to go on a Holy Spirit roller coaster. We will see where we land. Is that all right with y'all? Okay, that's what I'm talking about. And if, if you don't know my little spiel, I love it when y'all talk back to me, so feel free, go ahead, amen, somebody. I love it. So, for the past few weeks, we have been in this series called Make It Matter. Make your faith matter. And something we touched on last week is blind spots. And one of the things that Bill brought up is that in this season of COVID, a lot of us have turned inward. Community has felt foreign. And some of us have drifted in our faith. And if we're honest, some of us were drifting in our faith even before COVID. But we believe right now is the time for us to not only reconnect with God, but to reconnect with each other. And one of the ways that we get to do that is by making our faith matter in every single area of our lives. Not shielding anything back from God, not only saying, God, all right, I'll give you school and my family and that's it. Surrendering, there goes that word again. Surrendering every part of who we are, every part of our life to God and saying, I want you to speak into this area. I want you to shape and mold it the way that you want it to be, God. 
And not too long ago, actually last week, I was having a conversation with a friend just about how, how our, our faith walk has been um, over these past few months, over this past year and a half. And then she started to tell me um, that she connects with God, you know, out in nature and she loves hikes. And then she invited me to go on a hike with her. Now, this is someone I'm just getting to know. It's like the very beginning of our friendship. But anybody that knows me knows I don't do hikes, y'all. I don't do it. I'm from California. I'm slightly bougie. And the hikes that I do, it's just like walking on a treadmill on incline. Like, that's, that's my lane right there. I did Chautauqua once. It was terrifying. It was confusing. And, yeah, it was too much. I want to do it again. So my response to her was, you know what else is God's creation? Food. And I would love to enjoy God's creation with you out in Denver somewhere. It's the middle place because she's in Colorado Springs. And um, she just started cracking up. We're sending each other gifs back and forth. Hee hee ha ha. And um, in the midst of that, we started saying how the way that God speaks to us and the way that we connect with God has shifted over time. And as we were talking about that, I started reflecting on my own journey. I remember when it's like, y'all don't know how crazy it is to me that I have the title of prayer pastor and teaching pastor because, hey, Jenna girl, the struggle was so real. I remember I was at a church and, you know, in between services, the people that I serve with, they would say things like, God told me this. God showed me this. And I'm looking like, God ain't telling me nothing, so what, what am I missing? And I did what I do best, and I tell y'all all the time, I went on Google, and I started Googling Bible verses that talk about, you know, God, hearing God's voice. I started finding books and podcasts and YouTube. That sounded kind of country for a second. Podcasts? Mm. Come on, acting accent. And I want to share with you one of the verses that I just feel is cemented in my heart and I continue to believe and press into in this time. John 10, 27. It says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I stood on that. I tried, I prayed, I asked really hard to unpack that. And in my research, because I end up making it a research project, I started to see the common, the common ways that were highlighted that God speaks to us, that God speaks to his children, that God speaks to his sheep. And of course, you know, nature was on there and I was like, yep, I definitely, that is not me, I X'd out of that. There was solitude, there was stillness, there was through his word, through other people, through music. And I was telling my friend, out of all the talks and podcasts and books and things that I read, there's one way that God has been communicating to me a lot in the past few years that I feel like a lot of people don't talk about. And I wrestled a little bit with putting up a list of just listing all the ways that God can speak to us. But I want you all to know today that God can speak to you through whoever and whatever he pleases. So for me, one of the ways that God speaks to me, it's a bit unconventional, 
is through TV and film. So as I was praying on, you know, God, what do you, what do you want me to share for, t- for today? There was this scene that I could not get out of my mind. And I was like, maybe I can just act it out or have Maurice and Bill come up here and do it. But I was like, nah, I'm going to look like a fool and they're going to look like a fool, which is okay for them to look like a fool. But I didn't want to do them like that today. So instead, I want you to turn your attention to the screens and check out this clip. guys going to Davenport? My car died and I'm late for lunch. We usually don't pick up hitchhikers. But I'm gonna go with my instinct on this one. Saddle up, partner. You're it. You're it. You're it. Quincy's. Any Quincy's. You're it. Quincy's. No, any Quincy's. No starches. You can't do that. Can't do. Cannot. Stamp it. Can't do. Double stamp it. No erases. Cannot. Triple stamp it. No erases. Just do make it through. You can't triple stamp another stamp. You can't triple stamp another stamp. Lord, you can't triple stamp another stamp. Lord, Lord, you guys. Enough. Jim Carrey is one of my favorite actors. He is just so incredible and hilarious. And as y'all could see from this scene, he was not trying to hear what his friend had to say. I don't even know what he said. Double back, no tapsies, something, something. I don't know. He wasn't trying to hear it. So he covered his ears and started speaking louder over him. And as we watch that clip, it's really rare that you're going to see an adult do that. But if you're an adult, and you do that, and you did that, no judgment here, okay? But it's really rare. That's something you're gonna see more from kids. But although we may not do those same theatrics, I think that's very much the posture that we can take sometimes. Think about it, when your friend or coworker or a spouse says something to you that you do not wanna hear, la, 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 mm. I look, he likes singing. I got to be careful when I do that because that just turns me to, some, to another direction. Maybe you do that. But even if you don't, you know how to tune somebody out. And oh, y'all, COVID with the mask and you just looking here and I can't read your eyes. Y'all know how to tune people out with your mask on too. Some of us have gotten so good at tuning out other people, tuning out things we don't wanna hear. And it's not only doing that with our ears, but I think also our heart, closing off our heart to be able to receive whatever is being said. We do this in our relationship with people, with one another, but I believe this also transfers over in our relationship with God. Let me give you some scriptures where this posture might come up. Love your enemies. Oh, no, 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 no. Count it all joy when you go through various trials. Mm, I ain't hearing that. Turn the other cheek. I ain't even going to finish that one. That one's just a strong no. There's some things that we read in scripture and we tune it out. Or if you got a physical Bible, you just flip the page really fast so you just act like you never saw it. 
And I think there's a lot of things that I can talk about today when it comes to that. But there's one in particular that I want to highlight for our time together. If I build upon what Bill said last week, I would say this, is, this can be one of our blind spots. It's relevant to where we are as a society, where we are as the global church. And it's found in the book of Colossians. That's where I'm going to anchor our time together today. One verse. We're just going to chew on it, unpack it, break it on down. So Paul actually wrote the book of Colossians. Paul, not one of the 12 disciples, but an apostle, which simply means one sent by God, one on mission for God. And he wrote this letter to a group of believers in Colossae for three specific reasons. One, to combat false teaching. Two, to, to let the believers know that in Jesus you have all you need. He talked to them about the sufficiency of Jesus. And then he also talked to them about how they're supposed to act, how they're supposed to live out their faith on a daily basis, how they're supposed to imitate Jesus. And this is where we pick up in the text, Colossians 3, verse 13. It says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Did anybody else have a Jim Carrey moment when I read that right now? I'm going to read it one more time. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. If I'm honest, even as I'm up here preaching and reading to you and I know exactly where I'm going. Inside, my posture is like, eh, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. And I think between politics and racial injustice and COVID restrictions, y'all, offense is at an all-time high. We have many opportunities to be offended on a daily basis. And my plan was to just give you guys some general examples for what that could look like. But instead, I'm going to tell you how my week went. Monday, Maurice didn't take the day off work for his birthday, and I had big plans for him, plans I was excited about, so I got offended. Tuesday, I was expecting something to be addressed in a meeting, and it didn't happen. Offended. Wednesday, the doctor made an insensitive comment to me. And I'm like, you should know better. You're a doctor. Offended. Thursday, the car in front of me was driving so slow, baby, come on. To be honest, they were actually going the speed limit. I was late, and it just felt just crazy slow. Offended. Friday, Maurice, you see he's back on that list again. <laughs> My sweet husband, um, there was a package that I was, you know, waiting for from Amazon, and it came, and then there was two 
empty, y'all hear me, two empty boxes that were open, so you could see that they were empty, and I said, don't touch these, I'm gonna use these. And then there was another box that was closed. The, the thing that I wanted was still in it, right? I come home on Friday and the boxes are gone. Um, babe, where's the boxes? I need that. And he's just looking at me clueless. He threw it away. And guess what? I'm offended again. <laughs> you don't pay attention. That's your problem. That's your problem. That's what I told him. That's what I told him. I'm still not over it. Saturday, got a text from my mama. I love my mama with all my heart, mind, soul. That is my girl. And she sent me something and rubbed me the wrong way. And I always respond to my mom, and I didn't. I, I left her on red for about 48 hours, <laughs> offended. Sunday, y'all, it's still early. The day is getting started. I will let you know how it goes, you know, check on social media. So y'all, I'm very aware that offense is something that I'm prone to. It's a proclivity of mine. In my life pre-Jesus, I would say that my only flaw is that I'm a perfectionist. And I would say that with so much pride in an interview. I'm like, I'm just a perfectionist. I'll just work really hard, you know, till it's perfect and amazing. And they'd be like, hmm, I'm gonna hire her. And I'm like, yes, you will. And however, walking with Jesus a little bit, I've realized that I have a lot of shortcomings. And I think the number one thing on that list is offense. As you can see, it don't take much to offend me. And as I was praying about, you know, what I would share and just how this would go, God was like, baby girl, you've been offended all week. And this is not even just everything. I just tried to just list seven things for y'all. I didn't want to get too crazy and just put Maurice all on blast, you know. <laughs> and he was like, this message is first for you and then for everybody else. And I was like, mm, cool, cool, cool. You know, keep me humble. I appreciate it. And I want to point out that everything that I listed, these are minor offenses, right? However, whether it's a minor offense or a major offense, it still has the same result. Unchecked offense leads us on a path to unforgiveness. And the one thing, if you are maybe kind of feeling where I'm going today, that I want us all to walk away with, including myself, that is so countercultural, that is so counterintuitive, is this. When we make faith matter in our hearts, we live a life of radical forgiveness. When we make faith matter in our hearts, we live a life of radical forgiveness. Radical is defined as different from the ordinary, out of the norm, extreme. What does it mean to live a life that's marked by radical forgiveness? Let's unpack this. Verse 13, the first part says, make allowances for one another's faults. That lets us know that offense is going to happen, that people going to mess up that people are going to offend you and hurt you unintentionally and intentionally. So the question is, how much is the allowance? I don't know about y'all, but growing up, my allowance was a fixed amount. And I'm so curious, if you don't know, I like when y'all talk back to me, someone let me know what their allowance was when they were a kid. 
Zero. Ooh, I'ma need a budget a little more. Come on up a little bit. Someone else, give me a budget, uh, give me allowance. Two dollars, what was over here? Two dollars and someone over here? Five dollars. Wow, I kind of feel like I'm at an auction. Two dollars, five dollars, ten dollars, Wow. So that's a fixed amount and that's very low. And I think when it comes to allowances for people's faults, for people's offenses, here's what culture has to say. Y'all probably heard this one. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. That's fair. The next one kind of used to be my motto in uh, high school, don't judge me. Um, Off with their heads. (laughs) Queen of hearts, Alice in Wonderland, which you know about it. The next one, it's a song, for it's one, two, three strikes, they're out. That's the old ball game, y'all, right there, three strikes. Ooh, this one, I have to, I gotta put a little tone on it when I read it, here it goes. I believe in second chances, I just don't think everyone deserves one. <laughs> just had to add it in that little, little burn at the end. Oh, and this one right here, I'm sure y'all know this by the queen herself, Maya Angelou. When someone shows you who they are, believe them. Mm. So this is what culture has to say about us making allowances for other people. But what does Jesus have to say about this? And we aren't the only ones wondering, how much is this allowance supposed to be? Peter actually asked Jesus this question himself. And let's look at that in Matthew 18. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Now you see, Peter, Peter's trying to be slick. Peter thought he was being generous because back in those days, the Jewish rabbis would just say, you know, extend forgiveness about three times. That's good enough. So Peter, he was probably listening to Dave Ramsey and was like, I have a rainy day budget, throw, throw a few extra ones on that. And he said seven. But let's see how Jesus responds. Jesus says no, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Mm, again, here, here. Jesus, what you saying? So by Jesus saying 70 times seven, or in other translations, 77 times, Jesus is insisting that forgiveness has no limits. Now, anybody ever had an allowance that had no limits, that you can just get whatever you need for that week, for that day? I absolutely have not. And this is the thing that Jesus is trying to get his followers to understand. Unlimited forgiveness, that's radical. That's what the world don't do. That's what culture would say, absolutely not. He is calling us to infinite forgiveness. Jesus doesn't want us to keep track and count. He doesn't want us to say, oh, that was 62 out of 77 offenses for the day. Or no, that was only 10 out of um, 490. It's gonna be a long day. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is that he actually wants us to lose count. He wants us to lose count of the offenses. We 
When faith matters in our hearts, we live a life of radical forgiveness. There's something I was writing down in my journal and I want to read to you all. I wrote this. What sets us apart as believers is our love for everyone and our ability to forgive anyone. What sets us apart as believers is our love for everyone and our ability to forgive anyone. One of my favorite passages is John 15. And in that he says, by this people will know you are my disciples, by the love that you have for one another. And one of the most popular verses when it comes to love, you hear it at weddings and ceremonies, is 1 Corinthians 13. And it has a lot to say about love. Love is more than a feeling. Love is action, okay? But it also has something to say about offense. This is what it says in verse 5. It says, love keeps no records of wrongs. But if that's the case, why do we turn into accountants when we get offended? Why are we able to track and remember precisely what happened, what was going on, what we were wearing? Why do we get such a HD memory in our minds? Something that I've learned in this process of preparing and just leaning into forgiveness as someone who struggles greatly with offense is that true forgiveness is complete removal of the offense, not any trace. So I think there's times where we'll say with our words, like, yeah, I forgave this person, or you're praying, you know, God help me forgive, and you think you've forgiven. But the real test is not what your lips say, it's what your heart reveals. The real test is not what your lips say, it's what your heart reveals. And I think proximity plays a major key in that. When you see that person, when you share the same space, when you see them and you're scrolling on your feed and they pop up on Instagram or Facebook, when you're in a conversation with somebody else who has no idea how this person offended you, how this person hurt you, and they bring them up, what goes on in your heart when that happens? Do you get that HD memory flash? Because I know that's what happens to me. There's been times where I think, oh, I'm fine. I've forgiven. I've prayed about it. I've given it to Jesus. And I see this person and it's just all fresh. Like it happened a few minutes ago. And I feel like this weight on my chest. And it's frustrating. But it's because there's a large part of me that don't want to forgive. That don't. That, that instead of saying, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. No, vengeance is mine, says Aisha. I want them to pay for what they did to me. They owe me. Forgiveness is not only a gift that we receive from God. It's a gift that requires us to share that with others. Forgiveness is not only a gift we receive from God. It's a gift that God wants us to share with others. 
We forget that Jesus has radically forgiven us. Scripture says, while we were yet sinners, Christ forgave us. When Jesus was on the cross, what did he say? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We were radically forgiven. Yet we don't know how to give that same gift to everybody else. Matter of fact, we know how to give it. We just don't want to. It could be a little stingy with the gift of forgiveness. Forgiven people should be the most forgiving people. Y'all hear me? Forgiven people should be the most forgiving people. And in that passage that we're looking at, God calls us to remember, to remember how much we've been forgiven, to remember how God continues to forgive us daily. There was a time when I was in college where I just really struggled doing something I said I was gonna not be doing. And I remember just wrestling with the guilt and the condemnation from that and just really relating to Paul. He talks about this, this thing that he doesn't want to do, but he ends up doing and like, you know, this thorn. And I related so much to that. And what gave me hope, what helped free me was the passage in 1 John 1.9, I want to say. As far as John, Google it, you'll find it. But it says he, I'm going to give you the Aisha translation so I don't mess it up. He is just and faithful to forgive our sins if we confess them to him. Aisha translation, y'all, so don't nobody be like, she ain't reading it right. Aisha translation. He is just and faithful to forgive us of our sins as we confess them to him. Jesus forgives us. And he wants us to give that gift to others. To not get amnesia about all the times that God has forgiven us. About the times where we have wronged someone else and have gone to them for forgiveness. In that Matthew 18 passage, if you continue reading on, Jesus starts telling his disciples about a parable of an unforgiving debtor. So there's this servant, and he borrowed a lot of money from the king. Um, from the king, and I believe one of the translations said it was like millions of dollars. So it was a lot of money, y'all. It wasn't just money for a Chick-fil-A meal. It was a lot of money. And the king is trying to settle all his accounts. And he goes to the servant, and the servant is like, I'm sorry, I can't pay you back. Like, please give me grace, give me mercy, be compassionate on me. If you would just be patient with me, I'll do whatever I can to pay it back. And the king, he was gracious. And he forgave him of all his debt. Y'all, this is a significant amount of money. So he received the gift of forgiveness. And then this servant goes around to another servant and tries to settle his accounts. This servant owes him a very little amount of money. But he's unable to pay it. So he does exactly what the other servant did. He begs, he pleads, he says, be merciful to me, be compassionate. If you just cut me a break this one time, I'll do whatever I can to pay you back. 
And you would think as someone who receives such a great gift of forgiveness that he would extend that to that servant. But he didn't. He put him in prison instead. Hmm? Is there anyone as I'm talking Is there any situation, is there any scenario that you think excludes you from forgiving? I got this, I got this flashback about a case that I read about several years ago. And it was about a mom, I believe her name was Mary Johnson And she became friends, actually a bit more than friends, um, with the man who killed her son. And in this interview, you know, the, the, the title of it is The Power of Forgiveness. Everyone's so confused as to one, why she would even be in relationship with this person, but two, how could she forgive him? Forgive him to the point that when they call each other on the phone, he says, hey, mom, and she replies, hey, son. One of the things that she said that struck me was that I had to forgive him for myself because the pain of unforgiveness would choke me from the inside out. I don't know about you, but I think of my list of petty offenses that, to be honest, again, there's a few that I'm still struggling to fully let go. But I'm struggling with that. And this woman has forgiven someone who has robbed her son of living life, of graduating high school, of having a family. How? How? Unforgiveness hardens and hinders. Forgiveness restores and releases. Again, when I think about that woman in her story, she forgave not to dismiss what that man did, not to give him a pat on the back and say it's okay. But she forgave for herself. Forgiveness is not for the other person, it's for you. It's for you so your heart can be free. It's for you so you're not carrying this weight, this heaviness in your heart. But if you don't, and that unforgiveness and those offenses just continue to add upon each other and they go unchecked and you think you're over it, you think it wasn't a big deal. Oh, you just threw away my Amazon package. Oh, they just didn't respond to my texts. Oh, they just didn't invite me. But that offense unchecked, it hardens your heart. It hinders you from being able to love the way that God commands us to love. How can I love my neighbor if they offended me? How can I walk fiercely in love 
if offense is crippling me. Again, I love movies. And I really wanted to show y'all this scene, but it chokes me up every single time and I refuse to cry today. So I'm just gonna tell you about it. Has anybody seen Moana? Yes, a few people, it's kind of dark in here. It's one of my favorite Disney movies. And there's this scene towards the end and it's all about Moana's journey and she has to restore the heart of Tafiti. Um, you guys can put that picture up. So on the right, it's Tafiti, before her heart was restored. Before she released the unforgiveness. That is terrifying. And as I look at that, and as I'm like, I still can't believe they put that in a Disney movie because that just looks really creepy. I wonder what I look like on the inside when I let offense run rapid. It ain't pretty, I tell you that. And I could just see this scene right now. Moana is, you know, singing to her. This is this biblical moment where the, the waters are parted so Tafiti can walk through. And Moana this whole time is singing, this is not who you are. Y'all, one of the things about a fence is that it will transform you into a person you were never meant to be. It will change how you engage in your relationships. It will create unnecessary walls. It will change you into a person that if you looked closely in the mirror one day, you wouldn't recognize. And when Tafiti's heart is restored, that hardness, that rock, that lava, that darkness, it falls off. And underneath that, you see this beautiful greenery, you see this smile, you see her eyes. And as I was thinking about today, I just kept feeling like there's, there's someone here today, there's someone watching online that God wants to restore your heart because unforgiveness and offense have negatively impacted you. They've hindered you. They've even hindered your worship. They've, it's hindered you from communicating to God. Maybe offense and bitterness and unforgiveness is one of the reasons you've been drifting a little bit. And I believe that God wants to restore your heart. He wants you to experience freedom. You know, one of the things that Jesus says, you will know them by their fruit. Offense is gonna hinder you from producing fruit. What fruit am I talking about? Am I talking about mangoes and apples and all that? No, I'm talking about the fruit of the spirit that is talked about in Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, meekness, faithfulness, self-control. When we have that fruit, that's when we represent Jesus well, y'all. Jesus wants us to have a restored heart. Jesus wants us walking in freedom. Jesus wants us 
to live a life of radical forgiveness. As the worship team makes their way up, I want to just say a few more things to you. Y'all, this whole time I never said forgiveness was easy. It's not. Forgiveness is hard. Holding a grudge is easier. Forgiveness takes faith. I could barely forgive three times, three strikes, two times. And you're telling me 70 times seven? I can't do that in my own strength? Absolutely not. But what's impossible with man is possible with God, is possible with the Holy Spirit that dwells on the inside of us, our helper, our comforter, our challenger every now and then. Family, instead of focusing on the one who offended you, on the one who hurt you, I wanna encourage you today to focus on the one who can heal you. Focus on the one who can free you. Focus on the one who can help you tap into the person that he created you to be, unhindered by offense, unforgiveness, bitterness, none of that. Family, would you pray with me? Mm. God, you know what's going on in our hearts. You know what's going on in our minds. You know the person or the situation that we've thought of during this message, during this time together. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would reveal to us the person, the situation we thought we were over, we thought we had forgiven, if that's not the case, help us to completely forgive. Help us to no longer have that fresh, vivid memory in our minds. Free us, God. Restore our hearts. Remove the heaviness. Heal our pain. Heal our pain. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you first forgave us and that you call us to forgive others. Father, help us when it seems impossible to forgive. Help us to represent you well. Help us to walk in love. Help us to make faith matter in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I asked Justin if he would just pause in this song. Because although in my talk, I focused a lot about forgiving someone else, I cannot shake that there is someone 
even if it's just one. That the person that you need to forgive today is you. Maybe you're like me when I was in college and it's something I keep doing, I don't wanna do, but I keep doing it. And you're beating yourself up because it's something you continue to do. Or maybe it's something you did long ago, years ago, last year, and you can't shake it. You can't forgive yourself. Maybe the person has forgiven you, God has forgiven you, but you can't forgive you. God wants to restore your heart today. God is calling you to come to him and receive the gift of forgiveness. So I wanna continue in worship. If that's you, let it go. If you gotta lift up your hands just as a symbol that you are letting it go, do that as we worship.